Every mother hit by her husband. Every father betrayed. Every unborn baby abandoned. Every son falsely accused. Every daughter told she's not good enough. To every disease. From pain deep into the bones. To itching all over the skin. To the lame man on the street. To every wheelchair and every crutch and every other disease. He bore it all. Every evil thing in this world born by him. Imagine the biggest and greatest navy battleship and the fullness of that weight on your shoulders. And you wouldn't even come close. What he experienced was incomprehensible. No matter the things that you've done, the reality is is that he took everything that man has ever done, everything man has ever thought of doing, every evil thing that man will do in the future, and all that weight rested on his shoulders. You see, he was the one, the only one clean. Therefore, he was the only one qualified to be angry, to be unforgiving, to say, I don't need to do this because he didn't need to. The only one who could say, I will not do this. But yet he did. Because his love forgives. Now don't come and tell me that you'll consider forgiving your enemy. Don't come and tell me you'll consider praying for the enemies of yourself or even those who have hard hearts against God. Don't tell me you'll consider to love your enemies. Love is not an option for the believer. It is an obligation. If you only ever loved those who loves you back, what profit is there? Does not the pagans and unbelievers do the exact same? If you only love those you consider your brother, what profit is there? If you only do good to those who can do good back to you and do good to you, what profit is there? Does not the pagans and unbelievers do the same? And if you only give to those and lend to those who are able to pay you back in full, what profit is there? Does not those who are unbelievers do the same? Is love not the marker that will set you apart, that marks you for him. 
You see, brothers and sisters, many think it's this or that commandment or instruction that marks you and signs you and sets you apart for him. I tell you that the greatest commandment is what does it. And if you have not love, you can keep every other commandment perfectly. But before God, it will be worthless, completely worthless, as if you are an unbeliever. It means nothing if you have not love. You will be like a clanging cymbal who God doesn't hear. We have convinced ourselves that loving only when it's easier to love or when we feel like we want to love or when we want to have that action, when we desire it, then we love. But what our Messiah said is something radically different, that they will know you by your love, that that is the thing that will set you apart. That is the thing that makes you look like me is what he said. And if you don't have that, go home. It means nothing. Don't even try to follow me because nothing you do will mean anything. Love is not your choice. It is not an option. It is not something you do when you feel like it. It is your obligation to love not once or twice, not five times, not seven times. But isn't it 70 times seven to forgive 70 times seven to do good 70 times seven? Not as much as the world says is okay before you lose your pride. Not as much as the world says is okay before you stop, start abusing your love or before people start using you. All manifestations and thoughts of the world that says only love as long as as long as it's okay by the world standard. And there's this line in the sand, but Yeshua never made a line. He never said, this is how much you love. And then you stop loving. Then it's enough. He loved you to the point of dying. He loved you to the point of losing everything. He never, if he was to going to draw a line in the sand and say, this is how much I will love. But no more than that. This is how long I will love you. As long as you have this much sin. But if you have a little bit of more sin, if you do a little bit more wrong, I will stop loving you. I will stop making sacrifices. Brothers and sisters, if that was his mindset, we would all go to hell. I'm sorry. What makes you think you have one glimpse of a right to draw a line in the sand of saying how much you love and who you love and on what condition you love? That is ridiculous and repulsive and not something that a disciple would say. A true disciple would say, I forgive as much as I am required to forgive. As much as I can, I will forgive. As much as I can love, I will love. As far as I can go, I will go. Even if it means going to a cross, because that's how far he went. And he says, whoever says he abides in me ought to walk in the same way in which I walked. Do you abide in him? Are you his disciple? Or are you going to be his disciple only as long as it feels right? Only as long as you desire to love because that's not a true disciple. And on love, we need to speak because this world and men of all kinds, both believers and unbelievers have different perceptions on what love really is. I want to submit to you that the enemy has come to sow seeds of confusion around this thing we call love. He has tried to distort its definition. 
Because if he can steal what true love is from us and make us confused as to what it's supposed to look like when we walk it out, then he has taken everything from us. Because it's love, not this kingdom we serve. We serve the kingdom of love. We are ambassadors of this kingdom of love. And if we have not love, we are no longer part of that kingdom. We have left it. We have forsaken it. We are no longer its ambassador. We are no longer of his. We are not recognized by him. And we will not be recognized by others to be of and sent by him. And so what is love truly? The secular world would say, as long as it feels right, as long as no one gets hurt, as long as it feels like love, it's love and it's okay. But the word says love is patient and kind. And yes, all these gentle things. But it also says that love rejoices in the truth. Love rejoices in what is defined to be good by God. You see, we can come up with definitions of what good and evil is. But my definition will be different from yours if we simply go on what we feel. But God has given us his definitions in his word, in his Bible of what is truth, what is evil, what is good. And that is what love rejoices in. true love rejoices in the truth and it will hold on to the truth, not what feels right, because there is a way that seems right to a man, but in its path is the path of destruction. Secondly, the secular world would say that as long as it feels right, like I mentioned, that it must be love and they will confuse what love is with lust. In relationships between people, if they do not have the love of God in them, they will think that their lust for someone else is love. They will think that just because they have a desire for something, even a selfish ambition and selfish desire. That is love. Rather, love is not lust. Love is making a sacrifice. Love does not rejoice in getting its own ways. It's not a man who tries to get its own way and everything. It's not a woman who tries to take advantage so that she can get what she wants. It is rather when we die to ourselves and put our desires on the shelf for the sake of someone else. That we would actually serve someone else. That we would actually make sacrifices of ourselves, our desires, our ideas, our dreams even for the sake of what is true, for the sake of someone else. That is true love. It must be informed by the truth defined by God's word of what love is between a man and a woman. And it must be informed by that self-sacrificial heart. And when we venture into the Christian world of love, many would say that love is all about showing grace, but they will do so at the cost of truth. God does not call us to have kindness, mercy, gentleness at the cost of what love rejoices in, and that is truth. Love rejoices in the truth. And it is gentle and it is kind and full of joy. We cannot compromise the truth 
because we are afraid of what people will think because they may reject us if we actually uncompromisingly show them the truth. Therefore, we have not love because true love will care for someone else enough to tell them the truth, even if it hurts. True sacrifice in our hearts would mean that we are dead to ourselves and therefore dead to the opinions of men because a dead man doesn't care what other thinks of him. I don't know when was the last time you went to a graveyard, but those dead people there don't care what you think anymore. And that is what we are supposed to be. We are supposed to be dead to ourselves so we can show others the truth uncompromisingly in love. Other Christians, other believers will go and they will try to give the truth and which is good because like we said, love rejoices in the truth. And so they will go and they will try and give truth, 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 but at the cost of grace, at the cost of kindness, at the cost of peace, at the cost of doing so carefully. They will go and give truth with a heart without love. And you say, well, Pete, yes, you can have truth and give truth without love. And that means that what you do is useless for the kingdom of God. Absolutely useless. You can go home as if you've never started because true love is giving truth with grace and kindness and humility. Because if you do it without the aspect of what true love is, you will do more damage than good. You will do so in hypocrisy and boastfulness. You will hurt people. You will show people the truth, maybe, but you will do it in a way that they wouldn't want it. Because what did Yeshua do? What did Jesus do? He went to show truth. Yes. After he healed the lame man, after he opened the blind eye. After God delivered Israel from Egypt, that he gave them the Torah, not before that. He gave them the commandments after they were shown his great miracles, his mercy and loving kindness, not before it. Because that is God's nature. That is his love. True love is showing someone first why they would want to listen to the truth. And that is because we serve a God of love. And now when you show them that love, they will actually be inclined to listen more. And you will actually be more successful and you will actually be more profitable, not just before men, but before God and in his sight. You will be more pleasing because you have the perfect balance of showing grace. Not at the cost of truth, but also showing truth, not at the cost of grace, showing both truth and grace, showing both truth and kindness and self-sacrifice. You see, brother, sister, sometimes we want to show someone the truth with a dark and deeply deceptive motive because we want to prove them wrong and we want to prove them how right we are. That is a self-righteous and a horribly wicked heart. And even though that heart may have the heart of giving truth, it is wicked in that it is boastful. It is wicked in that it is arrogant in that it desires someone to simply have the truth so that they can see how right we are and how wrong they are so that they can so that we can just insist in our own way. Instead of delighting in his way, which is showing love and kindness. The scriptures say in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 5, love is not rude. It does not insist on its own way. 
It is not irritable or resentful. If you insist in your own way, even if you think your way is truth, that is not love. Love allows people the choice. It tells them this is the truth. This is God's love. This is his kindness. Let me show you. And then we have action behind our words. We actually go and we give to those who can't afford to pay us back. We give and we don't desire anything back. We give to people who don't deserve anything. And then we show them the truth and we don't insist in our way of being right. We go and we say, this is the truth. Make a choice. We go in kindness. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 1. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. He's saying if you have spiritual giftings, if you speak in the tongues of men and angels, even if that were possible, but you don't have love, it means nothing. You can walk in the gift of healing. You can walk in the gift of miracles. You can do mighty things for God in that way. But if you have not love, it means nothing. Nothing at all. He says, if you have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge and have all faith as to move mountains, but have not love, you're nothing. You can have every conspiracy figured out, every conspiracy theory down. You can know how flat around the earth is. But if you have not love, it means nothing at all. In fact, it probably means you're worse than you would have ever been. Because if you have knowledge, yet you have not love, you have been given something. The knowledge of God, His power. We've been given knowledge of His word, His, His doctrines. You've been given knowledge of His sacrifice. You've been given knowledge of His things, His heavenly things. But then you have not love. You have actually squandered the talents He's given you. You've squandered the knowledge He's given you. The beauty, the treasures He's given you. He says, if I give away all I have, deliver up my body to be burned and and I have not love, I gain nothing. You can go and be zealous for God. You can go be and give everything. You can even go and be crucified on a cross. But if you do not have love, if you do not have kindness, gentleness, humility, if you do not have a humble heart that is lowly, that considers all other people as hard than yourselves, even your enemies, then you have not love and then you will not have any profit in any sacrifice you make. Because any sacrifice of our love is as nothing to God. And then he goes on and he says in verse 7, Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. You know, one of the greatest displays of love the disciples had. Do you know what it is? It's when they accepted the one who was after them. Who killed many of them when he turned. When Paul the Apostle turned to God, to Yeshua, to Jesus, the disciples, they welcomed him. Yeah, sure, they had hesitation in the beginning. But after the Father confirmed it, they welcomed him. Isn't that one of the greatest displays of love? Paul was their greatest enemy, most probably. He was someone who persecuted them to the point of killing people. All right, killing. He is against them in the way of going after them and murdering them. That's isn't that the worst enemy to have? 
One that is like a serial killer in your midst, who kills everyone of your kind who believes what you believe. Yet when Paul turned, they accepted him. They welcomed him in and even gave him the right hand in apostleship and labored with him and accepted him in all ways. Yet when we hear of someone, when we hear of a someone who was wayward, someone who was the sinner of the sinners in our midst, and that person turns to God, what is our first reaction? Do we hope all things? Because here is the reality, brothers and sisters. If you do not hope, if the first thing you do is not is to hope, that it is true to hope and believe that yes, his conversion was true. Yes, he has turned. Yes, God, let it be. Lord, I hope for it. I pray for it. I pray for him, even though he was my enemy, even though he might be my enemy, even if he came after me and he came to murder my whole family. I heard that he came to God and I hope that's the first thing I do, because that is what love is. True love hopes, not some things. Not as not some line in the sand. We hope as much as it goes and then we don't hope anymore. He's done this much, but he's gone too far. We can't hope for him anymore. We can't pray for him or forgive him anymore. No, hopes all things, believes all good reports. That is what true love is. And what my conclusion is, brothers and sisters, is that we simply so often just don't have love. And that's why we don't love. We don't have love, and that is why we are unable to see people the way God does. We don't believe, we don't hope all things. We would hate someone right off the bat. We would hate for them to come to faith even because of our hatred for them. We would actually see it as bad news if someone comes to faith if we don't like them. If we don't like the things they've done, if we consider them a sinner of all sinners, if we consider them part of the Illuminati, or whatever conspiracy thing we would hate for any good to come of it. The fact is simply we don't have love. And so I want to ask you this day to audit your heart and be humble before your God and say, Father, have I hoped all things? Have I endured all things? Have I believed all things? Have I rejoiced in the truth? Have I abhorred what is evil? But while abhorring evil, I have still even in the midst of it showed kindness and mercy and grace to those stuck in the midst of it. I have even shown grace and love and patience, and I have even prayed and forgiven my enemies over and over and over again, as many times as they need to be forgiven. Because brothers and sisters, like we started this video, every one of your sins is the least of what he took on his shoulders. He took the weight of millions of battleships of sins on his shoulders and he forgave. He said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do while he was bleeding out. while he was bleeding through his skin because of our sin. You have no excuse to act in any other way except in a way of love solid in the truth. I hope that this video has blessed you. Shalom.